You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Chris Kenny, who is a master sales coach, million-dollar business owner, and sought-after wealth mentor. He teaches undercover superstars how to break their money rules, rapidly accelerate their income, and live with uncommon freedom and choice. When he's not coaching his private clients, you can find him speaking on stages around the world, sharing his seven-figure sales secrets with brilliant, talented entrepreneurs so they can step into their legacy work by shedding the chains of money shame and under-earning. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us today. You have come a long way, firstly identifying your own secrets, developing sales training, and proving how fast and how far you can go in terms of reprogramming brains. Can you start us off with a bit of background? What got you started? Yeah, I was um, I was a person that was really burned out in corporate America. Uh, I was working in corporate sales, and I was doing pretty well. I was doing you know making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I had a you know a cushy you know cushy job, but I will tell you, I was burning out because what was happening is every year, what I found that this particular sales organization did is they were they were just pulling more out of their producers mm-hmm. rather than getting more out of the ones that were not producing. So, you know, my, my, I found my territory was shrinking and shrinking and my quotas were going up and up and up. So I just got really tired of working that hard for someone else. That's kind of what happened for me. I was just, I was done. And I knew, I knew for myself that if I didn't quit, I would have ended up getting fired. I mean, that's mm, one of those situations. I was kind of out. So I, I just remember pondering uh, starting a business and I, was sitting up and I was watching like some Les Brown motivational videos and stuff. And I I got inspired and made the decision to start a coaching company. And that actually came, this, this upset some people. It came because I read, I read one book. Everybody says they have a book that changed their life. Well, the book that changed my life was the success principles by Jack Canfield. So I read this book and then I started doing these lunch and learns because at the, in the back of this book, he really, encouraged you to take the material and start to teach it so I was like okay I'm gonna do this and so I scheduled this workshop and I brought I think about 12 people through this workshop and one of the people that came through that workshop happened to be a top director in Mary Kay Cosmetics and she invited me she said would you like to come and speak to my group during this thing they have called January Jumpstart I went I spoke to this group. Now here, now listen, I'd never spoken publicly before. Everybody thinks like I walked into this thing and I was like, you know, already seasoned and ready to go. I mean, (laughs) major nerves, no doubt. (laughs) I I was having trouble staying vertical. I remember. um, And then I was dating somebody at the time who basically recommended, hey, well, if you're going to do a talk, you have to make an offer. And so I'm like, wow, I've got to make an offer. So I... (laughs) delivered this talk they gave me i think they gave me i want to say it was 10 minutes a whopping 10 minutes which to me a 10 minute talk is a lot harder than probably a 30 minute talk yeah and uh 
So I delivered the 10 minutes. I, I made the offer and there was 85 people in the room and 70 people bought the offer. Wow, that's yeah, effective sales. Now, now listen, I <laughs> the offer was a whopping $47 for a workshop. And the workshop was called Boost Your Business by Overcoming Sales Call Reluctance. So it was this thing. The first thing I want to say is it was a training I hadn't created yet. Okay. So I have a huge thing around this. You know, for those of you that are in service, service industry, like for example, if you happen to be a coach or you're creating, you want to create programs and trainings and that kind of stuff, I'm a huge fan of sell it before you create it. Mm. Because what I've seen in multiple situations is people get massively tied up in the creation of things. They get really in the weeds with creating it, creating it. They spend months and months of time creating something, creating something, and then they launch it and nobody buys it. You know, and and there, I think there's reasons for that. One of the reasons I say sell it before you create it um, is what I was able to do was I sold this thing, and then I was like, well, I'm going to piecemeal it. So I, I the way I did the delivery was in modules that came out once a week. So I was just kind of dripping the content on them. But what that did is it allowed me to get the feedback from the people that that had actually bought it around what they needed. And that allowed me to create a really, really amazing product because I had the feedback that I needed from the buyers. That feedback would not have come to me if I had just created it and then started to try to sell it. So the program ended up being, to me, vastly better than it would have been because I decided to sell it before I created it. And then the other thing that it does is it really speeds you up because I'll tell you what, it probably would have taken me six months to create the darn thing. But once, let me tell you something, you sell it, <laughs> guess what? It gets created. <laughs> now you got to deliver. So that was really what launched my business. And, you know, it was that year that I went out. I became pretty well known inside of Mary Kay Cosmetics. I was never, you know, never working for Mary Kay, but my target <laughs> market was people that were in Mary Kay Cosmetics. And that year, I did $263,000 as a coach. And the only experience awesome. I had as, as, you know, as any coach was, my gosh, just some people that I had done some training with when I was selling. I wasn't uh, skilled at this. I kind of developed the skill set as I went along. And uh, that's where it began. And it was $263,000. Um, that led me to, uh, I stayed in direct sales for about a year. Um, and transitioned out because I wanted to raise my rates and the way the commission structure was set up for them. I didn't feel like they could earn enough return on their investment. So I went out of that market into the solo entrepreneur market, spent two or three years in the solo entrepreneur market, started to realize that I was consistently teaching people high ticket sales, whether that was just, this is what I'm going to teach. And all the people that I was able to move and move quickly were people that were able to embrace the idea of high ticket sales, learn the system that I teach for high ticket sales, and then go out and start creating high ticket sales. Those are the people that were seeing transformation. So I was doing that in the solo entrepreneur market. Then I further niched myself primarily into coach, consultant, service-based business. So everybody that works with me is either a coach, consultant, or selling some sort of service. Those are my clients. And the thing that I'm known for is teaching them how to position package and sell high ticket programs. So that's kind of how it happened. And now I'm here. I went from, you know, that was back in 2008. You know, here we are 
my gosh, many years later, and I've got a seven-figure brand, multi-seven-figure brand, and uh, a very small team, but a really lucrative company. And I'm super, super proud. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, and and what a way to launch a business with absolutely no website, no business card, and just winging it along as as you went. I mean, that is. Uh, I guess you you must have used the right title to to trigger the process and probably the right price point. And yeah, uh, it was super. You know, it was super inexpensive. You know, the 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 name was pretty neat. Booster business by overcoming sales call reluctance. It was um, uh, a result based name. So typically, with programs of that type, I'm a big fan of having the name be attached to a particular result. What's the result that they're going to get? from the course and have that be the name. Um, so that was super cool and it was $47. So it was very attainable. But then, you know, what I would do is I would go and deliver that workshop. And then at the end of that workshop, I would offer something that was, I think at that time around $800. Okay. And that's where, the, that's where the sales were coming in. I was selling a group coaching program. Uh, the group coaching program, I'm just going to just <laughs> rattle Yeah, off. please tell us. <laughs> I called it Think Pink and Grow Rich. Yes, and it was because it was for Mary Kay people, and that was uh, that was their color. They were it was all, their color, yeah. So, so anyway, so that's that's how that happened, and like I said, that's where it began, and, and that's another thing, you know, Nola. It's people get a lot of they get really tied up in their target market, right. and they can get really um, tied up in their niche, and I think sometimes they they end up not starting mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they have the right niche. And I guess what I want to say about that is very similar to this whole sell it before you create a concept. I, I firmly believe in business that the key is to, to be moving forward, go out, interact with human beings, have real conversations with real people. And when you're doing that, your niche will reveal itself. It will reveal itself to you. You'll, you'll, it becomes very clear. When you're out and you're in action, I feel like if you're just, if you're, if you're stagnant and you're not in motion and you're trying to analyze where's my niche, who's my niche, I think you're really, really hurting yourself. Yeah, um, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I've, I've gravitated through a few different niches in, in my evolution as an entrepreneur. And um, it's really hard to watch a person not start because they're tied up around a particular niche. You know, go out, start to interact with people. Yeah, the analysis paralysis um, approach doesn't actually get get business. But it's very true that for the majority of people, they are. They're trying to identify what is the product, what is the thing I should do, and who should I do it for? And it's very hard to identify the people, the product, or anything in your own bubble, facing your own computer. Yeah, and it's... You know, I think that's why we need people in our experience, you know, that are outside of our own heads. You know, the other thing that was really true about that year was I had really high-end mentorship. I had a mentor carrying me, you know, through that whole entire process uh, of, you know, changing, I changed, you know, I changed niche. I, you know, I didn't know how to package or price. So I had some help around the packaging and the pricing. Um, I was being taught specifically how to, you know, how to sell coaching services. And now that's what I'm teaching to everybody else. So that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and it forward. But um, yeah, so I just think it's really important that we understand that, you know, we can't solve problems with the same thinking that's creating problems. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So, um, 
<laughs> creating our problems and now we're going to try to solve the problem with the same thing that's creating it guess what we're not going to not going to yeah, get it reading the label from inside of the jar it's a it's a bit hard to see what your problems are if you don't go out and speak to other people and get the issue reflected back at you exactly so you comment um that you work on that uh, people have money rules and those are inclined to cap their personal and business success or, or income. What are the money rules or how do people land with money rules? Well, I just think they, they, they happen very naturally. You know, it depends. It depends on your upbringing. It depends what your beliefs are around money. It depends what money represents for you. What did your parents teach you around money? You know, what's, what's your belief system around rich people? What's your belief system around poor people? What's your belief system around asking for money? Are you comfortable asking for money? Um, are, you, are you comfortable having other people ask you for money? Like all of those different things create, you know, a set of rules that we mm. apply around money. And one of the things that I think is super important is understanding that if you want to create more money, like if that's a goal that you have for yourself, create more money, that's going to require that some of those rules you're living by today get broken. Because you have to realize that your current money rules are creating your current result. So you're not going to create a different result with the exact same set of money rules that you're currently living by. And I remember when I started in 2008, you know, my, my business really started with a massive money rule break. And it was the, the really high investment that I made in the mentor. That was a huge rule break for me. Um, and it created a lot of discomfort, but it also created a tremendous amount of urgency mm -hmm. forward and actually getting a result from, from that experience. Um, the other thing that happens, you know, in my life in terms of I'm teaching high ticket sales to people, the other thing is their money rules are determining their pricing. What are your money rules and what do you think your quote unquote coaching package or service based business package, what do you think it's worth? What do you think people will pay for it? You know, you're making those decisions with your own money rules. And I would challenge that and say, look, if you want to create more, you want to create a bigger result, you want to start making those decisions with someone that does not have the same belief system as you. Somebody who's, who's maybe a little bit ahead of you in that area yes. and have that person, you know, I always say, if you don't believe me, borrow my belief, <laughs> go ahead and borrow mine. That's and that a good option. Yeah. yeah, your belief system will catch up. But I've seen it so often, you know, that people are just, they're making these decisions with their own money rules that are holding them back. And yeah. they're massively under, underselling themselves, underselling their products, services, and programs. Makes sense. So you speak of high-ticket sales. So what is the definition of a high-ticket sale? Yeah, great question. The definition is being able to, it's selling something, let's just call it this, selling something for more than you thought you could. Because ah. I, I don't want to put a, a dollar amount to it because a high ticket sale is going to be very relative. It's going to be different. Yes. Like what I consider high ticket and what even you might consider high ticket might be two very different things. But if you have a program and you're currently selling it for a thousand, a thousand dollars, and then you go sell it for four thousand, I would say that's a high ticket sale because that is you starting to break down the barrier in your own belief system around money. And that's it's high ticket in comparison to what it just was. So you know, it, it, people come in to my programs selling at, you know, 1K or 2K and they want to learn how to sell at 8K. 
you know, that if they sell it at 8K, guess what? That's a high ticket sale. I also have people that come in that are already selling at 10K and they want to learn how to sell at 30, 35, 40, or 50K. So it's a relative thing. But I would just say a high ticket sale is a sale that is made for a significantly larger amount than what you thought you could. Awesome. So do you have people come into your program that are almost on the starting blocks? They either are at that time making some kind of a transition so they don't have any sales or they've been spinning within their own glass jar and have been unable to make their first sale. Do you manage to get those people over the hurdle? Yeah, some of those people show up. Usually, if I'm being honest in terms of my target and who typically works with me and who typically works well with me, the people that come to me that are brand new, that do really well, are people that have already done really well, like in corporate. So maybe okay. they were a corporate vice president or you know went up into the C-suite and you know they're in the C-suite and now they're stepping out and they're going to open up a consulting company. Those are the ones that typically do well in terms of my, my work. I wouldn't want to say that I am the ideal person to teach a person how to go out and get their first client or make their first sale. It's not, it's not really what I'm known no, for. Right. People out there in the world that are fantastic at doing that, but not so much me. But you know, in terms of the offering, like if somebody like that comes into my experience, what I would then do is have a conversation with them about potentially purchasing Sales Master Academy, which is my sales training program and having them start there. I would put them in like a, you know, necessarily a $35,000 group program or a $75,000 private program um, if they were really just brand new and they hadn't had success in corporate or something like that. I'd say start with this, you know, that thing that retails for $5,000. Usually that's attainable for people and it's a good place for people to, to start. Yeah, almost test the water and see that water, that's yeah. the so direction. You can, you can use this material to go generate some sales. And once you do that, if you want to talk about something else, then we'll have a conversation about it then. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, so how do your clients generally or, or, or how do you counsel them into um, identifying and enrolling their high-ticket sales? Because, I mean, it's almost a, a scary prospect. I'm selling at $10,000 today and I want to sell for $75,000. And as you mentioned, you've almost got to break your mold your, of your mindset to try and do that. So how do you find them? Yeah, well, you have to realize that they're in your experience already. And that's hard. That's hard for oh, people. Yeah. Because the reason that people usually are missing high ticket high ticket clients is because the, the belief system that they're viewing people through. So there's been so many situations where I've interacted with people that I think in most situations, most people wouldn't have pitched a high ticket program to this particular person because maybe at the start of the conversation, they told me their money was tight or they told me that their spouse just lost their job or um, you know, they were only making, you know, 5,000 a month, you know, in terms of their revenues. And now I'm going to pitch a program that's 7,000 a month. You see what I mean? Like right. a lot of people have a particular belief system that doesn't allow them to see that what we, it's not that we have to attract different people. 
what we have to do is we have to develop the skill set of getting ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that basically means that they, the, the people that are paying high ticket and doing incredibly well that are, that are clients of mine, they're ordinary people. They're just, they've done something extra, extraordinary yeah. in terms of their willingness to invest. And that comes from the, the way I think it has to do with how I show up and how my team shows up, the conviction of which we show up, the fact that we hold the space for the possibility of their up level and having their up level be super, super, super quickly or quick. And then we also have a really strong skill set. We have a really authentic way of doing enrollment, having conversations, building urgency in conversations, and essentially having people convince themselves to hire us. So when you when you put all of that together, the different belief system, showing up with conviction, showing up believing in people, believing in the possibility for people, you pair that with us authenticity when you're selling, asking powerful questions, um, knowing the skill set of how to build urgency in enrollment conversations, um, they end up convincing them themselves. And that's yeah. what I always tell people about an effective enrollment. Effective enrollment is when somebody convinces themselves. You don't do any convincing. You don't do any, there's no manipulation. There's no hard closing. You're learning how to ask strategic questions that cause people to convince themselves to enroll with you. You have to remember that your potential clients' reasons for buying are inside of them, not inside of you. I'm going to say that again, your potential clients' reasons for buying are inside of them, not inside of you. So if you're telling them well, the, why, why the product, service, or program is excellent, they're not going to be able to hear it. The reason they can't hear it is because they know you're selling. Right. But when you're asking questions and they're telling you, well, you know, they're telling you your value. They're telling you why they need you. They're telling you what they think would happen if they were to hire you. We have to remember that people do not argue with what they said. Write that down. People do not argue with what they said. If you said your program's amazing, they think, oh, okay, he thinks this program's amazing. If, if you ask a question and says, if I said, Nola, if you were to spend 12 months with me, do you think you could learn how to sell a program for $25,000? And you said, yes. And then I said, well, if you think you could sell one for $25,000, do you think we could, we could do that four or five times over the course of the year? Do you think we might be able to do that 10 times? You say, you know what? I think we, I think we probably could do that. Give it a shot, right? So now you're doing the math and you're saying, okay, if I learn how to sell 10 25K packages, that's 250000 in value, right? And I say, right. so now can we agree that we have a $250,000 problem? And you say, yes, I agree. We have a $250,000 problem. Well, if I pitch a program that's $75,000 to solve a $250,000 problem, we've set up a proper comparison. So yes. it's remembering this. It's remembering that price is only expensive because it's being compared to something else. Write that down. Price is only expensive because it's being compared to something else. When we're doing a enrollment, we have to learn the skill set of controlling what people are comparing us to. When we get better at that, we get significantly less amounts of price objection. Makes a lot of sense. And if you get them comparing themselves to their own or, or your service to their own information rather than some extraneous competitor or alternative use of the cash or something out there, as you say, they've convinced themselves of the value. Yeah, so now never, you don't believe. They never, they never feel sold. They never feel sold. Yes. To. They just naturally enroll. 
Yeah, it, it makes it a comfortable transaction because, I mean, let's face it, none of us want to be sold. To. Nobody wants to be sold. That's a very, very uncomfortable experience. And unfortunately, no matter the value you derive from it, nine times out of ten, you regret the experience afterwards yeah, anyway. Yes. You know, it's it's just a human nature given thing. So now you don't recommend um, or believe in sales funnels. So how do your clients attract people into their world to be able to start speaking with them? Yeah, the reason I don't, let me just first say why. The reason I don't believe in sales funnels is I think the main reason people are usually doing sales funnels is because they're afraid to sell. So they're trying to put together a funnel that um, puts them in a situation where they can, you know, make money while they're sitting on the beach or whatever it is. They want to run an evergreen funnel where they put this thing up and they drive traffic to it and then everybody buys it. And, you know, that's when you can get it done. But I'll tell you what, I've, I've been in business since 2008 and I've never been able to create that myself. So I'm... I'm not a proponent of it. And I've seen funnels, people trying to set up funnels. I've watched it take people out of business. So mm. we're, pretty, we're pretty simple in terms of what we recommend people do. We typically drive business through what we call intimate conversion events. So running really small events, five to 10 people in a room, do some teaching, make sure that teaching is strategic, make sure that teaching is doing two things. Number one, giving people value. And number two, positioning the next step. So I'm basically, we're doing these small intimate events um, and then that event positions a phone call and then the phone call positions the sale. So that's one really simple way that we're going about that. And now those events are typically small. They're like a sub, it could be a 10 person event. And then in addition to that, because of where we are in business, we're also able to run Facebook ads, right? So when I was beginning, I was doing it through small events. Now that I'm a little bit further along and I know what I'm up to and I've got a reputation in the industry, we can run Facebook ads. Um, I drive people from those Facebook ads into a private Facebook group. And then inside of that Facebook group, I do uh, complimentary teaching two days a week. And then about once a quarter inside of that Facebook group, I'll run a challenge, which is a five, five days of teaching. And then we do five days of selling. So it's five days of teaching and then five days of client interviews, testimonials, all that kind of stuff. And when we follow that process, we're typically, that's when we're enrolling a really large amount of clients all at the same time. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So what has the pandemic done to your business? Did you find that you had to change anything? Were you forced into any form of a lockdown or canceling events or have to go virtual? Yeah, everything went virtual. So that system that I just told you about around, I've always been really good at getting in front of the room. I'm doing some teaching and having speaking be the thing that's actually driving the business. So I basically needed to create a place that I could do that virtually. And that's why I went ahead and created a Facebook group, Mm. um, started doing all the teaching inside of that Facebook group, and then started running these challenges. And my gosh, it's been, it's been a game changer. I will say pandemic year um, was, was it my best year? Yeah. When I think back the first year of the pandemic pandemic was the first year that I broke um, like million plus, I mean, we, we did about 3 million that, that year. And it's, I I just feel like 
the opportunity that was there because people couldn't leave home right. was very significant. And I'm not minimizing it. I know it didn't do that for everybody, but the way that I chose to view it was, wow, what a huge opportunity. We have people's attention. Mm-hmm. They, can't, they can't leave. If I do five days of training, guess what? They can't leave the house. They're not going to, you know, they're go, not going anyway. Not go visit grandma. They're going to watch the dang training. <laughs> right. Um, right. So I saw it as a big opportunity. And I just feel like um, a lot of it, I think success is greatly driven by how we think about what we think about, how we think right. about it. And I think we all have an opportunity to, we're, we're all meaning making machines. Mm-hmm. Things happen to us and then we attach meaning to it. And I think sometimes we give up our control to um, decide what we make things mean. And I think for myself and as a company, we decided that the pandemic was going to be a game changer for our business. It was going to be something that drove us forward in business. And we saw it as an opportunity to, to develop a completely new way of doing business. Because at that time, most of my marketing was offline. I was going Mm -hmm. attending live events and interacting with people. They'd meet me, they'd connect with me. And then I would set up enrollment conversations. I'd run those little five to seven, eight person, 10 person events. I was doing that. I was also doing some public speaking um, and driving business that way. But that was all live. Right. Like, wow. A lot of effort. Let's be honest. A lot of travel, a lot of effort. So now I still have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. I've also got this thing that I can run online and I can run it right from my home. Right. And it was, I viewed it, I viewed it um, as a huge opportunity and I'm not a judgment of anyone that didn't, that's just how, how I looked at it. No, well, it almost makes sense that it also, it opens up the geographic challenge because there'll frequently be situations where people either due to timing or or conflicts, they cannot come to an event that you happen to be at, but then you're out of town. So this way you can have people from all across the country, all across the globe participating in the same event at any particular point in time. It doesn't restrict people Uh, from doing it. Yeah. We have clients, you know, all across the U S we've got clients in Australia We've got clients in South Africa. Um, so, yes, it completely opened up the possibility. And that's that was part of, you know, why we started spending some time running ads. You know, we're very um, aware of the fact that we wanted to expand the reach um, and start start using ads. And that's what we did when it came to, the, you know, the online piece. But the the first thing we did when we started the group was we just really went into our own network. So I would always tell people, look, mm-hmm. your, your biggest and your best marketing opportunity is usually when somebody comes to find me, the biggest marketing opportunity is already within their current network. There's so much inside of your current network that has not been tapped. Maybe you don't have a referral program set up mm-hmm. inside your company. So you're not maximizing that. Maybe you haven't set up any affiliate partnerships. An affiliate partnership is... Working with someone who's actually also in front of your target market, but they they do something else, right? right. So if I if I want to market 
if I want to do a, a JV partnership with somebody that sells marketing services, great. Well, guess what? I'm not usually selling marketing. I'm usually selling, um, teaching people how to sell. So that's yes. a partnership. They can they can launch me to their list. I can you know offer their services to my list, and we can do collaboration that way. So people are missing those opportunities. People usually have a lot of people in their Rolodex that they haven't interacted with uh, because they don't want to feel pushy or they don't want to feel needy. So they're missing that opportunity. So all of these things, you know, make a world of in terms of people's uh, forward movement. So do how do you help people that happen to be spinning their wheels because they don't know how to describe their services for argument's sake and they describe it as the words, the English. What do you diagnose that problem to be usually? Well, I, I would usually, I mean, I mean, you could call it analysis paralysis, you know, thinking yeah. into, I think you do have to be able to articulate, you know, what it is that you do. I, I, I do believe in that. So, um, you know, you have to start with who you help. So that would be the first part mm -hmm. of help, what you help them do. So who you help, what you help them do so they can what. So, you know, I help coaches and consultants position, package, and sell high-ticket programs so they can have more freedom, more money, and the ultimate lifestyle. It's who I help, what I help them do, so they can what. Do now, when you, get into, when you get into enrollment, you want to make sure that you're asking them questions. Somebody could say, um, tell me what I would if somebody said to me, Chris, you know, tell me what I would get out of your services if I work with you for 12 months, I would say, well, you obviously, you made a decision to sit down and have this call with me. So, you know, something right. about it already. Yeah. So I could sit here, you know, Nola, and I could tell you what I actually think would happen if you work with me for 12 months, but that really doesn't matter. What matters is what you think. So tell me, Nola, if you we if we were to spend 12 months together on focusing on selling a 25k package, what do you think would likely happen for you? Yeah. And now they're answering the question. They're telling me, because listen, folks, that description you you give to them, it's gonna fall flat anyway. Because right. they, they know you're selling. So it's always better to turn it around and put it in a question to them because, as I said earlier, people do not argue with what they said. Right. So it's getting that phraseology up front of what you do, who you do it for, but then flipping it around and getting them to tell you. What them to tell you. you. It's all about being, you know, being interested versus interesting. The other thing that's true is, you know, people. that's when people buy. People buy when they feel understood. That's it. You know, if you feel like I get you, you'll, you'll likely buy from me. If you feel like I don't get you, guess what? You're not going to buy from me. So I would say focus more on understanding your potential clients. Focus on that rather than making sure they understand you. And I would say that that approach is universally applicable, sure. be it the, the particular niche that you're working in or any niche. I mean, that is a a good way for even some of our really large company sales teams to be going about 100%. making effective it's sales. It's true across the board. You know, I've seen it for years. I've seen it in selling corporate. I've seen it in selling, you know, to individuals for the last 13 years of my life. It, it's a universal truth. I agree.
No, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So is there anything we perhaps haven't discussed? Any pearls of wisdom or suggestions uh, you've got? Why do some entrepreneurs really struggle and others succeed? Yeah, I think, it, again, I think it comes down to thinking. You know, I think that's ultimately where it's at. But I would say simplify things. I think most people are massively overcomplicating business. I think you just have to, you have to simply know what you do and you have to go where your target market is. And have conversations with people. To me, that's as simple as this is. I mean, that's that's how this happened for me. I said, guess what? I'm going to work with Mary Kay people. You know, that's where I was in the beginning because mm-hmm. that showed up in my experience was Mary Kay people. So I was like, okay, where can I find Mary Kay people? All right, well, they have all these meetings that they run. They're directors. They they bring five people in, and they you know they do these meetings once a week, and so on. Can I go and speak at one of those meetings and? So I just started, just started. where's your target market and go interact with them and stop overcomplicating. And like I said, I think trying to get it all figured out before you take action is, oh my gosh, it's the, it's the things that'll, that'll sabotage your business. It's Realize, what's sabotaging too many. Yeah. yeah, yeah so many people. So simplify who's your target, where can you find them and go get in front of those people and have conversations. It's as simple as that. Really awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. How do people contact you or learn a whole bunch more to access Uh, some of these pearls of wisdom? Well, I just talked a little bit about um, my private Facebook group. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to direct everybody there. The private Facebook group is called Sales Mastery Inner Circle. Sales Mastery Inner Circle on Facebook. Hop on over there. You'll have to answer three questions. You'll be led into the group. And then I do complimentary, complimentary training twice a week. I do some on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and I do some Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. All complimentary. Stop on in, and I'll look forward to seeing you on the inside. Fantastic. And absolutely, I mean, you, you're giving away a lot of value there, even even just on the starting box, so people can assess whether it's it's their particular approach or, or not. So. Thank you very much for joining us. Very valuable to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the day. You too. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing and download the Financial Growth Scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca. Work with us to achieve your business potential. To find out if we're a fit for your business, email info at proteaconsulting.ca and follow the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook.